Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We're beginning a brand new series. It's called The Presence Driven Life. And I think God knew we were starting this series, and he says, let me help you start <laughs> giving you presence in the house of the Lord this morning. And all these different icons, all these different images we're going to go through over the next six, seven weeks, I believe they are weapons that God has given us for spiritual warfare. You know that you're called to be powerful, you're called to be mighty, you're called to be overcomers, but not by our own might or our own strength or our own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We're made powerful because of the presence. And so I'm believing over the next seven weeks or so, we're going to become presence-driven people a presence-driven church, and you might have a presence-driven life. Would you grab your Bible with me? And one might be one right in the seat back pocket right in front of you or if you brought your own. I want to read two verses together. We're going to put the verses on the screen, but there's something about the Bible. In the Awakening Bibles, page 13. All right, are you there? Genesis 28. Genesis 28. We're going to read verses 10 through 17. We honor the word of God right now. Genesis 28, verses 10 through 17. The Bible says this. Jacob left Beersheba, and he went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place. And he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it. And he said, I am the Lord God, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give you and to your offspring." Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall be spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and in your offspring shall the families of all the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. John chapter one, verse 51. Jesus says this. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is our ladder that reaches heaven and touches earth and opens the portal of heaven that his blessings, that his words, that his messengers might go 
down to earth and back up to heaven. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, God, that you did what no one else could do so that you might open up a way. You have granted us access to the Father. And we thank you, Jesus, that it was not of our own doing or anything we could ever even be proud of, God, but you found us in our muck, in our mire, in our mistakes, God, and you came to us, God, and you received us. And I thank you. You've pronounced blessings over us, God. Where the world and people may have tried to pronounce curses, yes, the blood breaks the curse. And you have, rece- you have given us blessings and we have received it by the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, that it is because of you that we have access to the presence of God. And so today, God, we ask that we might live a presence-driven life. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. You can have a seat. Are you glad that you came to church this Sunday morning? Well, that's good, because that's what I want to talk to you about. Today, I want to speak to you about the place, the house of God. As we begin this series on the presence-driven life, I believe we need to understand one very simple thing, that God has a way in which he works. And you need to know this truth. This is a key that I believe is going to unlock many things in your life. And this is a key that will unlock understanding in the whole rest of this series. It's very simple. And it's this. The presence of the Lord seeks a person, a place, and a time. The presence of the Lord seeks a person or a people, a place, and a time. You have to understand that about God. He's not random. He's not abstract. He's not unsure. No, there's a way to God. And there's a pattern to God. And this pattern goes all the way back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 says this, and they heard the sound or the voice or the word of the Lord walking in the garden. Where? In the cool of the day. When? And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The Lord is seeking a person in a place in a specific time. And what you have to understand is the first purpose of man and woman is the presence of God. It's why God created us. It's why he placed us. It was our all in all, our whole purpose was to walk with God. But the problem is, sin comes to interrupt that purpose and remove us from the presence. And even Christians can lose sight of our divine purpose. And that happens when the presence begins to lose its priority in our life, its priority. It's first place. And it gets replaced quickly by all sorts of other things. When the presence loses priority, many times it, it starts because of sin, just, just like Adam and Eve. What happened was they sinned. They broke God's law. They broke God's command. And sin will always separate. How do we lose the presence? Sin always separates. 
It separates you from God. And here's the other truth. It actually even separates you from man, from each other, from community. It, it, it's, its sole goal is to isolate, to steal, to kill, and then ultimately to destroy. Sin separates, and that's what we see happen with Adam and Eve. They sin, and now as the voice of God comes, they are cut off from God. And what do they do? They begin to run from God. Because, see, it's not enough to just be separated from God. Sin causes you to move away from God. Move away from his presence, even if he draws near to you. Even if he draws near to you, here comes guilt and shame that says, move away. Get out of here. You should not be here. You're not allowed. If they knew who you, move, run, excuse yourself, deny God. But whatever you do, you can't be in here. Can't be in the garden. So they ran from the presence. But then more than that, the Bible says that they hid themselves. They hid themselves from the presence. They hid themselves. Because in the end, that's what ends up happening we, we try and hide our sin and hide our failures. And, and we can't be in the presence of a holy God, so we have to create so much distance, he can't find us. And, and then we can't find him. And then sometimes we'll even blame God. And we'll say, you know, where was God? And the reality is, no, no, you're the one that separated. You're the one that ran. You're the one that hid. He's the one that searched. But can I show you something that's very powerful in this verse? It's undeveloped, and maybe one day I'll preach it. As I was reading it, I saw where did they hide? The Bible says they, hide, they hid amongst the trees in the garden. Because in the end, it's the cross that ends up hiding, hiding our sin. N not from God, because God knows. But it's the cross that ends up hiding our sin, covering our sin, removing our sin. The tree was even in the garden. Thank you, Jesus. That even in our distress, even in our failure, even when we were running from you, you brought us right to the foot of the cross. You brought us right to the place of redemption. You brought us right to the one that could heal and forgive and restore. Because that's the active work of the Lord, is to restore man to his presence. From the minute we separated, God began to put his divine plan of restoration in, mom in, 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 in momentum so that we might come once again to his presence. And maybe you feel like you're in this pattern of running and hiding. Well, you're not alone. This is where we find Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. His grandfather, Abraham, called, anointed, part of a mighty family. But the Bible says that Jacob's name means usurper, trickster. His whole goal in life was to fraudulently acquire what really is not his. So he steals the birthright from his brother Esau, and he steals the inheritance, and he, and he, does, it by, he does it by tricking his own father. And, and through lies, and through deceits, and through control, and through manipulation, he tries to get himself ahead. Sound familiar? This is us. But the problem is, you cannot bless yourself. And eventually it catches up to you. And after you've tricked everyone, no one trusts you. And now, now it's time for payback and Esau is chasing him and he wants his life. And his mother says, you gotta get out of here. 
And so he runs through the wilderness and he's trying to escape his past. He's trying to escape his family. Really, he's trying to escape himself. Jacob, the fraudster, the usurper. But we know that God has a better name and a better plan. And that God's not done and God does not identify or define you from your past. But he's got a new name and a new identity. And you won't be Jacob forever. You will be Israel one day. You will be called of the Lord. Thank you, God, that his presence pursues. Because that's what it does. And in the middle of Jacob running, God's coming after him. And he's not going to allow Jacob's sin to have the final say. The Bible says that Jacob came to a a wilderness place, a, a desolate place. He came, the Bible says, through all his runnings, from his father's house, through the land that God is going to give them, the Bible says that Jacob came to a certain place. I want to talk to you today about the certain place. David called it the secret place. There is something about the place. There is something about the house. Jacob thought at first it was just any place. But God knew it was a certain place. Jacob thought he was on the run, but really God was bringing him exactly where he wanted him. And this might be your first week or your 10th week or your 10th year here at the church and you think you're just at any place. But I want you to know you are not just at any place. You are at a certain place. God himself has brought you here. And maybe you feel like I'm on the run. I'm running from my past. I'm running from my my mistakes. No one except me. Everyone knows who I am. I've got no reputation left, but yet, Yet you are in the right place and you are here at the right time and God has reserved this place for you. The problem is Jacob didn't even recognize it. He said, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't even realize it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in the right place and not know it. I don't want to miss the move of God. I I don't want to be unaware of the presence of God. I don't want to be 10 years out and look back and say, that was revival. I don't want to be 10 years out and say, look at the miracles. I don't want to become familiar or desensitized. Because see, when the spirit is deprioritized, you become desensitized. He's unaware. He's focused on his failures. He's focused on where he's coming from. He's certainly focused on, uh, on the next thing ahead, but he's focused on everything but God. He's thinking about everywhere, but here. May that not be us. But yet in the midst of all of his failures, God knows what he's doing. And he says, come to the certain place. Will you notice this? The presence has a pattern. The presence has a pattern. God is not disordered. He brings order out of chaos. So the presence of God, the personality of God has a pattern. The presence seeks a person It desires a holy place and it searches for a specific, uninterrupted, sacred time. It searches for a people, holy, set apart, sanctified, living sacrifices, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own. He searches for a people and he searches for a place and he searches for a time. So God looks for Adam, the person, but where? in the garden, when? At the cool of the day. Search scripture, you'll find it all over the place. Bible says that Isaiah 
in the year King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord. And he was seated on his throne. And the train of his robe filled the entire temple. A person in a certain time, in a certain place, saw the Lord, felt his presence, had a life-changing, life-altering, supernatural, eternal encounter. But it happened in a certain place, in a certain time, with a certain person. Think of the early church. When they were all gathered together and they were awaiting for the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, that's a time. They were all together in one place, a certain place. And suddenly a sound, a sound. What sounds like the garden? Remember the sound of the Lord. God's not done pursuing you. God's not done coming after you. God's not done walking towards you. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house because it's not just any place. It's not just any place. Jacob realizes this is none other than the house of God. This is the gateway of of heaven. There is an open heaven. I want you to know this place is not just any place. This is a certain place that God has sanctified it. God has called it. God, God, God has set it apart. Do you know when we went to buy this land, we didn't even own it yet. Pastor and some of the elders and pastors of the church, they came, they drove onto this land. There was absolutely nothing here. In fact, someone else was supposed to buy it. A mega corporation was supposed to buy it. And yet they had faith that God has given them this land. So they came to pray over it and they brought oil. And they came, walked into the middle of the land and they said, this seems like a good spot. Let's pour oil and let's proclaim this land to be holy land, sanctified land, sacred land as unto the Lord. And do you know... That where they chose that day to pour the oil when there was nothing here but rocks and trees is the very place that the altar now stands. 20 plus years ago, oil was poured and it wasn't by man, it was God saying right there. Healing's gonna happen there. Salvation's gonna happen there. Families are gonna be restored there. Marriages are gonna be rescued there. Minds are gonna be received by the Spirit there. Hearts are gonna be open right there. There's something about the place. We know this in our heart of hearts. There are sacred things, holy moments. I don't want to be unaware of it. Jacob says, I didn't even know it. Well, I want to know it. I want to sense it. I want to feel his presence. I don't know about you, but I want a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. I want a fresh revelation of his love. I want a new touch. I I don't want to just be living off of 20-year-old oil. I want fresh oil. I want fresh manna. I want a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. And it all happens in the place, the house of God, matchless, mighty, and holy. Peter knew this. Peter knew this. The whole city knew it. They all came running to the house. And they said, oh, this is wild. These people are drunk. (laughs) Peter didn't even deny it. He said, well, but they're not drunk as you suppose. They might be a little tipsy, but not in the way you're thinking. Why? Well, because it's not only nine in the morning. A people, a place, 
and the time. When these things come together, they are divine ingredients for the Holy Spirit to come and to rest in. God chooses specific moments in time to reveal himself to his people. Can I tell you today this one thing? You do not want to miss those moments. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to allow it to pass you by. You do not want to allow it to pass you by. Like the prophet said, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, do not pass me by. I might be unworthy, I might be unclean, I might not have it all together, I might not know it all, but here I am, Lord. If you can do something with me, I'm willing. God's not looking for vessels of gold and silver. God will use vessels of clay. And by his power and his might, he'll change that vessel of clay into a holy set-apart vessel. If you just give him yourself, that's more than enough to work with. Five loaves and a few fishes, God says, that's more than enough I can work with. Will you just give him yourself in a time and a place and a moment and make it sacred? Catherine Kuhlman said this. She says, I believe that when you are really born again, there is a definite place and a definite time, and you know it. When you are really born again, you are no longer unsure of the assurance of your salvation. In other words, you don't have to answer every single altar call. I think it's fine. It's nice. I pray the sinner's prayer every Sunday. I'll pray it every Sunday till I die. But can I tell you, I'm saved. You need to get to the place where you know you are saved. 100% totally saved. You are not afraid. You are not plagued. You are not unsure. You are not unaware. You know, no, the Lord Jesus Christ, he saved me in this place at this time through this circumstances. No one else can tell me otherwise. This is my testimony, my proclamation. It was right here. Do you have this testimony in your life? Because if not, I want you to know it is available to you and it can happen today. It can happen any place, any time. But, you know, I've noticed that God really loves to, ha to do it in certain places at certain times. He loves the house. And he pours out his presence on the house. And if the people will be in the house at the time of his presence, the Holy Spirit shows up. I know that's what happened to me. I remember I was 15 years old. And I went to a, a church event, concert. I'm not quite sure what it was. To this day, I don't know. But I knew it was something. So me and my friends, we all went. And, and to be honest, it was a very odd atmosphere. The guy took an offering for an hour and a half. I thought he was preaching a sermon. All right, I want to exaggerate. Maybe not an hour and a half, but it felt like, uh, uh, it felt like a millennium. So maybe it was like an hour. But I thought it was the sermon. It was the offering. And can I tell you, I don't think his theology was correct. Like, he was talking about angels and stuff like that. And then he's like, the angel's here. And everyone's like, ooh. And I was like, what is going on here? This dude, <laughs> this dude, someone take the mic. It really freaked me out. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I say this to say because it wasn't cool. It, it wasn't what you would think. In fact, it all seemed wrong. And I remember I wanted to get out of there. I said, I am... I'm out. When he brought up the angel and he's like, the, the angel, I feel like a strange name. All right, I'm going to move off the angel stuff, but I just got, I just got to tell you, it was like, I, I, 
And then I, I, so I said, I, I'm going, I'm, I found my mom in the lobby. I was like, mom, please take me home. I've got a, a headache and a stomach ache and my ankle hurts. And <laughs> you know, when I look back on it now, I think something in me knew this is the night. And whenever conviction comes, you have to understand like Jacob, like Adam, your instinct is to run. It's to hide. It's to get out. Some people can't make it through one sermon. They got to get up and they got to get out. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is beginning to come down. I think that's what was happening. I couldn't deny that something is going on in this place, even though I don't fully understand it. I can't deny it. So I went to my mom. I said, please, mom, take me home. And my mom goes, I'm here with my prayer friends. I'm staying. (laughs) You know, my mom loves me, but she loves the Holy Spirit so much more, you know. I'm staying. So I went into the back of the auditorium and I stood there. I don't know if I was saved. Maybe if I, maybe if I had died before this moment, I would have gotten to heaven. But I do know this. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have a revelation of him. I didn't have a presence-driven life. I remember I stood in the back and the worship began and I told God, I said, God, I will give you 10 minutes to just show me something. I've grown up in church. I've seen it all. I don't know. I don't know. I'll give you 10 minutes. And you know, I was always ashamed of that. Like as if I'm making a deal with God. I'm giving God a time clock. But you know, as I was preparing for the sermon, I felt God say to me like gently, but you gave me a time. God loves a person, a place, and a time. It set me free. I remember I said, God, I'll give you 10 minutes. I went to lift my hands. They didn't even make it past my head. And the oil of God, the anointing of God, the fire of God, the presence of God, the reality of God, it dropped on me unlike anything I've ever experienced. It was as if someone tackled me to the ground. I didn't get on my knees. I dropped to the floor. I was overcome with the reality of Jesus. I saw how holy he is and how unholy I am. I saw how worthy he is and how unworthy I am. I saw how much of a sinner I am, but how much of a savior he was. And I got a revelation of his grace, unmerited favor beyond. I could never, ever, ever deserve it, no matter what I did in a whole lifetime. And yet God so loved me that he he sent his son for me. I had all of this reality in one moment. And can I tell you, it radically changed my life. I, I not only saw Jesus, and I didn't see him with my physical eyes, but I saw it in my spirit. I not only got a revelation of Jesus, if I could paraphrase C.S. Lewis, it's like I not only saw God, but by God, I began to see everything else. I saw Jesus in in the poor. I saw Jesus in my friends. I saw him in their brokenness. I saw Jesus on Sunday. I saw him in the word. I saw him in, I saw Jesus everywhere. But it's because he chose a time and a place to encounter me. I'm wondering, have you had that encounter in your life? Because it's available to you right now in this place and at this time. And maybe you had this encounter, but it was 20 years ago. Can I tell you, get a fresh touch. It's available to you right now in this place. At this time, you must experience supernatural awakening in your life. And I believe truly that God is bringing you to this place at this time for a life-changing encounter with his presence. His presence, his presence.
So right now, we're gonna make a moment. We're going to create a space and just ask God for his presence. He can do whatever he wants to do. But if you're in this place and you know you need a touch from God, I believe it's available right now. If it doesn't happen this Sunday, come next Sunday. If it doesn't happen here, begin to pray in your bedroom. But make no mistake, there is a certain place and a certain time where God want to, wants to intersect with your life. And when you have this experience with Jesus, it will radically change the direction of your life. And I want you to know this. God's so good that even if you run and even if you're in the midst of your failures and mistakes, God comes for you. You know, like the, the ladder came right down to Jacob. Like, I know it's true that you have to come to the cross, but can I tell you an even greater truth? The cross comes to you. Draw near to me, God says, and I'll draw near to you. There's a moment right now where God wants to draw near to you and he wants the oil of his presence, the oil of his gladness. He wants forgiveness to come on you. And I don't know what the presence needs to do, but please hear me. The presence will do what you cannot do and no man can do and no therapy can do and, and, and no, no ideas can do, no books can do and no education can do. Can I tell you, the presence can reach the deepest, deepest parts of you. It can heal the most broken places, things you can't even verbalize. God says, I don't need your words. I just need your heart. And God will come down deep and he'll begin to touch things and you'll say something about me is different people say what is it I don't know but I had an experience with the presence of God please hear me Christian more than anything in the world you need a touch from the presence of God thanks for listening to the awakening podcast we hope this message has encouraged you if you want to learn more about our church visit us online at awakening.global we'll see you soon